seen a video nasty. I wouldn't. I have far too much. But how, how can you judge on video nasty? Oh, you've seen one. I actually don't need to see visually what I know is in that film. And welcome to the Video Nasties podcast. My name's Christopher Brown. Man alive. I mean, the number of times I've used the word slasher boom when talking in the Video Nasties podcast must be ridiculous now. I can only imagine what the audience were thinking at the time going through all these films that suddenly filled the cinemas, all with quite similar storylines. And all promising the same thing, really. Watch young people get slashed and stabbed and impaled and tortured and burnt. There were winners and there were losers in that game as well. Not all the films that potentially could have been successful were. The Prowler in 1981 sat amongst a wide variety of films, such as The Fun House, Eyes of a Stranger, Bloody Birthday, Friday the 13th Part 2, The Burning, which we've covered, Happy Birthday to Me, which we've covered, Hell Night, Just Before Dawn, Night School, which we've covered, Nightmares of a Damaged Brain, which we've covered, Halloween 2 came out that year, and of course, My Bloody Valentine as well. And as we said, some of those films did well, Friday the 13th Part 2, The Burning. Um, some of them didn't do as quite so well like happy birthday to me and some of them just got lost and the film we're going to talk about today was one of the films that got lost called the prowler or known differently in the uk as rosemary's killer it was 1945 the night of the graduation dance the war overseas had just ended the terror at home Boy. was about to begin. Roy? Come on. Come on, kid. Don't play hard to get. What about New Year's Eve? Well, that was different. I couldn't help myself. The Prowler. If he wants you, he'll get you. Tonight, the terror begins again. They never found out who did it. But it had to be someone in town, someone who knew that she was called Rose. And Mark, that guy still might be around here. Oh, man, I don't believe this. You're talking about something that happened over 30 years ago. Whenever the time was right, he'd come back. The Prowler. If he wants you, he'll get you.
after night, he waited for her. The Prowler. If he gets you, you'll wish you were dead. Just when you catch your breath, it starts all over again. Made in 1981, uh, American slasher, directed by Joseph Zito. And stars uh, Farley Granger, um, who's probably best known for working with Alfred Hitchcock in Rope and Strangers on Train. The film sat uncomfortably in a crowded marketplace and probably sits closest in truth with My Bloody Valentine, which uh, you may know from its original, it's kind of a classic really, or also from its um, its remake in 2009. The film is not bad. It, 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 it's got its problems, it's a little bit too... Uh, it's not scuzzy enough to be a, a grimy slasher, but, uh, but does feature some spectacular deaths due to Tom Savini. And you'd think that that would probably be enough for it to capture them at the marketplace. It was, uh, after all, made for only a million dollars, but struggled. Filmed in late 1980 in Cape May, New Jersey, it premiered that at the autumn of 81 and independently released, but was not a commercial success, ranking 135th overall in the year's US box office and grossed less than its $1 million it took to make. Which is a shame, really. And it, it did receive mixed uh, reviews from critics who were, by this point, frankly, quite tired of these kind of films. It did, however, get a cult following and has been noted, really, for these kills, which were a showcase for Tom Savini. Indeed, the film is almost a greatest hit set of his, uh, his violence, featuring the, the, uh, you know, his, uh, the things that really mark him out as the, the skill set he is, notably in, uh, impalings, and particularly a naked woman being impaled with a pitchfork and a head getting blown off with a shotgun, stuff that he'd uh, used in the past. The film now is seen as one of the better slasher films from the period, and it, it does appear on occasion in various best of slasher lists. However, at the time, it was, unfortunately, a bit of a disappointment. So the story uh, starts actually in 1944 in California during the Second World War. A woman called Rosemary writes a letter to a boyfriend breaking up with him. It's a year later and uh, Rosemary's attending a graduation dance with her new fella Roy who says they go out to Lovers Lane. While there, they're attacked by a, a prowler in an army combat uniform who impales them both with a pitchfork and leaves them behind, leave behind a rose. 
We move 35 years later and uh, we see another graduation ball. And the film itself follows uh, various young people uh, in that graduate who are going to graduation who are attacked and killed via various stabbing implements, including, as we said, a bayonet. Uh, a woman is uh, stabbed with a pitchfork while she's in the shower and, uh, and various other things. And that basically is the rest of the movie until our reveal about who the killer is. And uh, we see a, 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 a great, vicious, violent death. And even then, it also follows another uh, plot device at the end of the film where we see, you know, is the killer back or is it a, a, you know, a dream sequence, which is um, as, a, as a final scare shock. You notice I haven't really gone into a huge amount of detail about that story, and that's almost certainly because for those really wanting to watch this film, you ain't watching it for its in-depth uh, plot analysis, or indeed the themes, although we will go into briefly the themes that the film just touches on. Now, the movie itself is quite clearly a showcase for Savini's special effects, and he does them with aplomb in this film. By this point, Savini is a named uh, expert in creating this stuff. And as we've spoken of before, you know, he, he didn't do Friday the 13th Part 2, but he did do The Burning instead. And um, and it's poten- and, you know, the film itself has potential that if you were going to pick one of the films to watch that was a slasher, the Prowler could quite easily have been it. But the mixed reviews and, and whatever probably did stand in its way. If we were being kind, though, you could argue that the film itself is uh, mucking about with the, you know, the, the traumas of war and how that impacts on people. It does, in actual fact, portray a war veteran as a villain, which um, you know you could argue is a um, certainly a there's an element of. Um, bravery in that move i wouldn't say it's particularly punk rock in terms of you know fuck everything but it but it is part of that that element and indeed you know there is but there is an element of bravery in terms of casting a spurned world war ii veteran as the villain and particularly because you know even to this day world war ii veterans are are venerated certainly in the uk and i'm sure in america as well um and we cling on Again, very much so in the UK, to um, to the slightly uh, to these ideas of, of heroism and um, you know that all these people must have been great, great lads, regardless of who they, they were. And then indeed, you know this lionisation of veterans, I think you know is is flipped on its head. You know, this isn't a, a horror film about a, a Vietnam vet that comes back, which we've touched on numerous times before and it's it's almost certainly you know itself a trope certainly you know post deer hunter you know the, the the impacts of war was seen as a um of the, of the vietnam war was you know it's seen as pretty fair game in truth and it wouldn't have been that much of a problem to cast these people as as evil indeed when we're looking at the video nasties list that's pretty much what happens with cannibal apocalypse it sits strongly you know visually with um with my bloody valentine and thematically as well. And also, in truth, with the burning, not just because Savini's effects are used, but also that, you know, this is a story about a, a wronged person who feels they've been wronged and is traumatized by events, who then 
uses that trauma as a weapon against other people and is uh, you know is, is is violently attacked and um by uh, by what's happened to him in his past so the film was co-written by Glenn Leopold and uh, Neil Barber uh, Leopold had worked on Hanna Barbera um, at, at cartoons, a story uh, editor and writer and, and creator, and um, Neil Barbera was a an, was an American animation director who was actually the son of Joseph Barbera as well. It attracted the attention of Joseph Zito, who read the screenplay and liked its uh, its its style. He called he said the film had a, a misty quality to it in terms of the screenplay, strange and dreamlike mood to it. It wasn't trying to be real; it was trying to be surreal in a way. And um, you can see that I think with some of his direction in the film. The movie uses um, a variety of like almost soft focus and points. Uh, certainly, the uh, the flashback scenes are. Uh, 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 are almost dreamlike in quality, and he tries to amplify that. Um, whether that works in terms of a slasher film, which in themselves tends to be quite gritty, um, I, I'm not so sure. It certainly doesn't make it, you know, dreamlike stuff needs to be really surreal or really gory to work, as we've discussed before with, you know, the films of, um, well, like the, 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 the Gates of Hell trilogy, for example. But um, but here, obviously, it, it isn't got really got that. Although it is very violent, it, it, the, the, these are meant to be you know realistic, gritty shocks, which we don't really see. As that, well, we do see the violence, but we don't really see the grittiness within the uh, the, the the presentation of, of of the film. The film was shot over a period of six weeks, in, in the autumn of nineteen eighty. And although it, at the time they said it could probably cost between four hundred thousand and five hundred thousand dollars to make, it apparently said later on it was ultimately around a million dollars to produce. And the film had the working title "Graduation," which almost certainly will have <laughs> unlucky. Um, doesn't help the fact that the uh, you know that there is a film called "Graduation Day" as well, which we've already touched on. And again, you know, you can, as we see here, this is definitely an indicator of of um, people. Desperately, you know, the, the the rush, the fact that you know there's two films with the same fucking name being released in the same year gives you some idea just how crammed to marketplace we were talking about. The film actually, and it's probably not that surprising, because the uh, death sequences were incredibly special effects heavy. The shooting schedule was actually crafted to prioritize filming them specifically. But obviously, as as we've said already, you know, if you're going to watch this film, the reason you're watching it really is for the deaths. See, Joseph Zito um, made a number of um, uh, f- films through the years. Um, most notably, probably in truth, was uh, Friday the 13th, the final chapter, which um, was, um, he got the job because of the Prowler. So um, I think, you know, and th- there was a suggestion, I think, that if, they'd, you know, if there was a way to repackage the Prowler as a Friday the 13th film, it probably would have made a lot more money because it delivers in the scares and there's an assumption, you know, um, certainly in the violence, I should say, rather than the scares, but there's an assumption. Anyway, from there, um, he moves on to a variety of different films, um, uh, which kind of sit within the canon world. So Invasion USA and Red Scorpion, Delta Force One, uh, all, you know, uh, are all, you know, low key British action films. Um, certainly Red Scorpion and Invasion USA, the old uh, Chuck Norris flick um give you an indicator of the, the kind of thing we've been talking about here you know the the um violence uh, films where you know your man blows shit up with a plum 
And I suppose there's an indicator that, that that's what he's capable of. You know, it could be, you know, the Prowler is these, these, these set piece deaths. Um, just because we're looking at this in a, in a, you know, a viewpoint of a horror film doesn't mean that these, you know, the, the, this, this, these very uh, special effects heavy scenes aren't, you know, the same kind of vibe. You know, it's, they're very intricate, very intelligent. They've got to be very, you know, cleverly staged to make them work and look as good as possible and not look laughable in truth. And we've seen plenty of those laughable scenes when we talked about slashes in the past. In this case, um, you know, they, 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 they have a lot of impact and work really well. But yeah, I mean, the reviews were, to be fair, mixed. The LA Times slammed into how violent it was and said that the characters were not good. <laughs> the characters acted like we were, were, were quite wooden. Um, but the Washington Post said it was uh, bloody terrifying and sadistic, which, you know, if you want something to put on a poster, that's the bad boy you want, isn't it? So the film has a, um, a challenging history with censorship in the UK. As we said before, obviously, it has been seized in the past uh, in the 1983 EIV VHS version. Um, the film had actually been released in the, uh, in, the uh, uh, in the cinemas, but had been so drastically cut, but, although by only 54 seconds, that we, uh, the reason why you will go and see the film, as we've spoken about again and again, is gone. So, um, literally, the first murder has been shortened. And pretty well, in fact, I don't need to list them. Almost all the good stuff's gone. All the kills are gone. Um, in particular, the ones that really stand out in terms of that Sherry death in the, when she's naked in the shower, that's been basically jibbed off. And um, if you remove all these stabbings and palings and close-ups of people getting killed, uh, you are left with uh, not as much of a good film as you'd initially hoped. And the release under the name Rosemary's Killer, as it was in, in, in Europe and in Australia... It's that cut which has been basically with all the gore effects removed. Now, if we want to look at this film today, we can see a very different situation. The BBFC waived the, the cinema cuts completely for the 2007 DVD release, which is currently available. It's been released on Optimum. It's not a fantastic release, but it, it does the job. Uh, you can pick it up on Amazon for, you know, as much as it'll cost you to rent it. So just get it, you know. Um, there's also a, a Blue Underground Blu-ray release and a DVD Zero release, um, which are a bit more, uh, you know, it's it's good looking, and it's the un- again, it's the unrated unrated version. So if you want to search this film out, and you know, why wouldn't you? It does the job. It, you know, you'd hope it would do. Then it's available in a variety of uh, you know versions in high D, hey high definition and low definition. So standard definition, not low definition. It's not like you know drawn a crayon, but you know it, it is. Um, nonetheless, you can you can pick that film up for um, however you want. And although you know, let's be brutally honest, it isn't perfect, but it does deliver some of the stuff you kind of want from it. You know, and I think you know when you think about the films of Savini, anything from that this kind of purple patch eight in the early eighties period, I think is always worthy of a look. If that's the you know if you if you're interested in those kind of special effects, practical special effect gore scenes, you know. You may think you're safe, but you're dead wrong. The Prowler, coming soon. 
Anyway, thanks very much for listening. Uh, if you want to get hold of me, please do. My email address is videonastiespodcast at gmail.com. You go to the websites, thelastrowpodcast.com or videonastiespodcast.com and leave a message on any of the uh, articles on there and I will will see them. Um, or you can get me on Twitter at, at orange underscore monkey, as did Gav Crimson, who said uh, about my piece about um, Norman J. Warren's pride. He says, is the film really about toxic masculinity, though? If anything, Joe comes across the toxic one, abusive and domineering in relationship with Jessica, hostile to Anders because of his gender, and with the implication that she may have killed an alien male out of jealousy. Um, it did feel like it was more tapping into 1970s male fears of misandry and militant lesbians rather than being a critique of masculinity in a way. That said, uh, then say, sorry, Harry Kummel's Daughter of Darkness was... Which is fair enough, to be honest with you. Um, I haven't listened back to the uh, the piece since I uh, recorded it, but um, I was very aware when I was talking through the, the themes of it that um, uh, I was probably I might be laying it on a bit thick in terms of what it covers. I think um, yeah. So I mean, thanks first of all, thanks very much for getting hold of me, Gavin, and, and I think your, your your points are incredibly valid in truth, and and, and I, I agree. With, I agree exactly with what you say, really, in truth. Uh, and if I'm being honest. Um, the, the, my key feeling on Prey generally is it's a film far more about aliens and lesbians than it is about much else. There's a variety of themes that fly around in it, which it just plays about with them and doesn't really focus on them. And certainly one of those is, um, you know, I I certainly wouldn't want to say that the relationship was idyllic between the two characters uh, of, uh, uh, you know, between... Um, Joe and Jessica, um, entirely because um, uh, 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 it's not true. Um, so you know, I think in the same way, I think when you look at maybe, and this is unfair, really, on Warren this, but you know, if you if you look at some of the films, say of Andy Milligan, you know, they're, they're not um, they're not you know, they're, they're, it's not a very well thought out argument all the time, but it does play about with themes, and there's a lot going on. You can see like the confusion. I think, and, and I, I'm not saying this film is of a similar stand. It's, it's the same kind of vibe as Milligan because it's not. Milligan was very much his own thing, and you know, he shot on the fly, and you know, it, you have to be very much in a certain headspace to kind of appreciate what he's trying to do. Whereas with Warren, these are even very, cheap, you know, very cheaply made in the, as it is in this case, and very rushed. Still, um, still, you know, of, of a quality. Um. But I, I do think there's a similarity in terms of there's an awful lot going on in there, and not all of it makes sense, and it all kind of conflicts each other. And um, and I think that's what I was, what I was trying to get at really with with with, with that piece. Um, but I'm very aware that when I say these are the films of the, the themes of this film, it can come across like you know it's um, it's, it's a bit more confused. And it's certainly not what I'm meant to do. Um, that was very quite rambling to say. Yes, I agree. There's a lot, but I don't, I don't you know. And and I mean, always in two minds about this kind of stuff. You know, how much of it is intentional, how much of it sub, you know, subscript, and how also on how much of it is just you know, a complete accent. Um, you know, and when you get you know lesbians and one of them needs to do this to make this work, they've all got to act like this, and all the pieces are in place. You know. How much of this, you know, have these have these people set out to create this type of story? Potentially not. Anyway, um, thanks very much for for getting contact with me. Um, and, and, and and yeah, absolutely, really interesting um, response to to, to to what I, what I put out there. Um, 
next week we're talking about Superstition from 1982, which is another slasher film. This one's got a bit more of a supernatural bent to it. Um, witchy, if I remember rightly, though I do need to rewatch it before we get to it. So, until then, take care, and I'll speak to you soon. Goodbye. I have never seen a video nasty. I wouldn't. I have far too much. How, how can you judge on a video nasty? Oh, you've never seen one. I actually don't need to see visually what I know is in that film.